0: On today's episode, we're going to pod in a blaze of glory. (laughs) (laughs) John Jovi goes full cowboy in blaze of glory from Young Guns 2. Plus, Rob Harvilla from The Ringers, 60 song that explained the 90s, is our guest today. Let's start the pot. Yeah! Hello and welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the song, inspired by the motion pictures. I'm Paolo Grassini. Today, we're covering Blaze of Glory, the 1990 number one hit written by John Bon Jovi for the films John Guns 2. And rounding up our crew first, our co-host, she drinks turpentine and then takes a piss on a bushfire. It's Sofia matatata. <laughs>
1: Paolo, I thought we weren't going to tell people about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Well, it's a podcast, yeah you know, no one's. No one's but, listening. Yeah,
0: exactly. Our guest today, he never grew <laughs> first, but he drew first blood from the ringer Network, host of 60 songs that explained the 90s. It's Rob Barbillo, what's
2: up, Rob? Yo, dude, it's great to be here. That was a truly incredible John Bon Jovi impression. I have to say. <laughs> yeah. that, was just, that was just startling. It's do you think so I have a lifeless. cowboy
0: in me? Can I Can I just go I out to the Utah lizard and just like shoot myself? Clearly you do. Yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> Get Live the helicopter, Sophie. Film me. Rob, it's November. It's the month to be grateful. And we couldn't be more grateful to you for not just joining on the pod, but also for your work on 60 song that Explained the 90s back in fall 2020 when you when you launched your show. Going on a long walk and just listening to the show was without a doubt one of the highlights of my day. But also when we were brainstorming Sophie and I for the podcast, I was just, you know. Show Sophie like this. Ah, you got to hear this. You got to hear that. I remember early on, uh, you did a Shania Twain episode. Man, I feel like a woman. (laughs) And that bit about the CD player and the five seconds preview bit, you know, how you were able (laughs) to use that as a segue to actually comment on Twain's ability to open the song.
2: It's so good, man. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, that's so nice. I re- I really appreciate that. It's great. I yeah. It's it's weird that this is a quarantine show, right? Like it's totally a COVID yeah. era show, and like the the impulse to return to a, a kinder, gentler time, at least in my memory, you know, just to immerse myself in pure nostalgia at this very fraught moment in history. Like it's it's subconsciously, I think that's why I did it in the first
1: place. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely doing something similar here. Uh, we try our best yeah. to cover songs that are just coming out but we keep going back to the 90s
2: it was just different back then Uh
1: so rob this is our
0: 19th episode and we've learned so much not just about (laughs) music content creation people everything just i cannot imagine two years into the process I got to ask you, like, what's been the biggest takeaway so far from the podcast doing that?
2: I've been reading my old scripts, right? And the first thing that happened is that my episodes have gotten so much longer. Mm-hmm. Like, They're now just ridiculously long. They're like 10 times as long as they were at the beginning. And so I don't know what that's about. Like, I, I think as a function of it being a COVID era show, like, I realized last night that, like, this show is now my lifeline to the outside world. Like, mm-hmm. my social skills <laughs> mm-hmm. have totally atrophied. I don't talk to anybody, I don't go to parties. You know, I just walk around with my earbuds and, you know, in my own universe and it just it occurs to me that when I talk like on this show or talk on other podcasts about this show like this is the only social interaction that i'm really having you know and i'm that's totally healthy i'm sure like i'll be fine this show has become a necessary tool of communication for me as every other form of communication that i used to be like kind of okay at is just totally evaporated
0: what's the one song you wish you could cover on 60 songs but for x or y reason you just you think i don't think i can get away with
2: that is there I don't think there's anything from the 90s that I couldn't justify mm-hmm. honestly. You want to have a few episodes that are sort of perversely like why would you why would you do that, you know? Yeah. And so I the ones that really bother me are like the songs right from like 1989, right? Like ah. The Cure's Disintegration is 1989, I think. Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, like, escapade. Like, I did a Janet Jackson episode, and I I was really happy to immerse myself in her 90s stuff. But it's her 80s stuff that I really remembered, you know, that I really grew up on. And so it's, I I don't think, I think everything from the decade itself is fair game, but it's just the stuff that just barely doesn't work, like Epic by uh, Faith No More. I think is also 1989. And I think a few people have mentioned that one to me. And like, you you, all, you could almost grandfather it in, you know, I could fudge, fudge it just a little mm-hmm. bit, but I'm, I'm trying to keep it actually to the decade. And so those are the most vexing songs for me that are right on the bubble.
1: Ugh, the ones that got away
2: the ones that mm-hmm. got away.
1: I would think about
2: doing like the 80s next, you know, once I've once the 90s have run their course. But you know, I most of the people who listen to my show tend to be about my age, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, the, in their early 40s, went to college, went to high school in the 90s, have that personal connection. Like to do that for the 80s you know, it's the, those people would have to be a little older and that would make me feel a little older in <laughs> turn. So I, I, I'm i not sure if I'll ever get around to the 80s, but I, I would I would love to.
0: I don't know if you've heard this question before, but like any plans to adapting 60 songs into a book at the end of it? Is that something that's crossed your mind?
2: I've thought about it. I'm, I'm rereading old scripts and I have a Google Doc that just I do the word count. I'm going to tell you exactly how many words. <laughs> the scripts are when you add. Oh yeah, something you post
0: on Twitter Uh, and they're like, whoa.
2: It is, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really awful thing. (laughs) Um, Okay, we are currently, I have read, starting an order, 58 episodes. It is 283,216 words. All right. (laughs) So the first problem, and this is a better problem than no material, is that I have way too much, right? Mm -hmm. And the other problem is like, a key to the show for me, is like that I'm able to interact with the song. Like, I love that you can play this song on this show, right? And, and so to lose that, and you can't use lyrics, obviously, even mm-hmm. like a small snippet of, of song lyrics, to lose that element, that interaction entirely, like when you go, when you look at a script and you take out the songs themselves, the lyrics, the clips that often changes it pretty radically like there are episodes that pretty much rely on that that don't really work if you can't hear the song or I can't like point out like you know like the bassline or whatever it is I'm talking about but I I've been doing this for 20 years you know rock criticism and I I always thought I'd write a book right like that's that was the goal that was the very top of the mountain and like the mm-hmm. peak of my career or whatever and so like I really I really should think about that from my perspective is
0: Yes, the podcast, you get the audio intersection, but then also uh-huh. your writing is, is really good on the show. And then sometimes on podcasts, it's just, you know, your mind can't catch up with, with, <laughs> with, the, uh, so yeah, with, yeah. So with the book, yeah. I can sort of like, ah, that line, that was really good. You know, that's like, you can just well, sort of like you. savor the writing more.
2: That's a good point. Yeah.
0: All right. When we reached out to you to have you on the podcast, we had absolutely no clue what you would pick. And Blaze of Glory by Jumbo Joey was your choice. (laughs) So out of all the choices out there, why this song? Man,
2: I do think that my thought process was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do a 90s song, obviously. Like I should take this opportunity to do like something, you know, more recent or from the 80s, 70s. Whatever, and I do. This song is 1990, but I think about it as an 80s song. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain that, but it it feels it feels way more like the end of the 80s than the beginning of the 90s. Yeah, it's one of those songs that I hadn't thought about in a very long time. It's not like I listened to it, you know, Bon Jovi. Not somebody that I listen to all the time, like for pleasure or whatever. But when I when I hit on it, I was like, oh, my God, I loved that song. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was 12. I live for those songs. I cherish those songs that I forget about. And then I'm reminded of and then have this huge swell of emotion and like memory surrounding them. Right. Like I really appreciate it. It's like, you know, finding a $20, $20 in your winter coat, you know, mm-hmm. the first time that you put it on. And,
0: and, and that coat you were sleeping season. on on the desert, finding that There we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an,
2: uh, an old coat for a pillow yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with last night's bed. Mm-hmm. Just a profound image there, uh, John. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, it, I hadn't thought about this song forever, but once I remembered it, I couldn't stop thinking
0: about it. Well, it's time to face our destiny. <laughs> Let's look straight into the sunset and write out. Yes, it's time to deep dive into John Bon Jovi's blaze of glory. But first, we need to do a quick stop and talk about its creator. Yes, the movie. Alive!
3: <laughs> it's alive!
0: It's alive! Sophie, Show us the way. Set up that movie for us.
1: All right. Young Guns 2 is a 1990 American Western film and sequel to Young Guns from 1988. It was directed by Jeff Murphy, who's best known for his work as the second unit director of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and written by John Fusco, who also penned the original. The film stars Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Christian Slater, and William Peterson. The movie follows Billy the Kid, played by Estevez, following the Lincoln County War. He and his gang must hightail it to Mexico to escape the law. However, when reformed outlaw Pat Garrett is hired to bring Billy to justice, it becomes a game of cat and mouse, and old friends become new foes. Busco crafted much of the dialogue from newspaper reports and interviews from 1879 to 1881. However, that's not to say that the film is entirely historically accurate. The movie actually includes some deaths that didn't occur in real life. For example, the real Josiah Doc Skirlock lived to the ripe age of 80 after living a respectable life in Texas. But Kiefer Sutherland was allegedly facing some scheduling conflicts with projects and wouldn't return to Young Guns unless his character died in the Stinking Springs shootout scene. So Doc's gotta go, unfortunately. The film was released on August 1st, 1990, to mostly negative reviews, saying it wasn't quite up to par. But the performances were good with the material they had. It made $59 million worldwide against its $20 million budget. And just to compare that to the original, that made $56 million, funny enough. But this was against an $11 million budget. So I'm curious. What do you think of Young Guns 2? Does it go out in a blaze of glory? Or should we snuff that fire out?
0: All right, Rob, I gotta start with you. We know you picked the song... But what about Young Guns 2? Did you also pick the movie? What's your connection to Young Guns 2?
2: I was trying to remember the circumstances in which I saw it. I don't think it was the theater. If I had to guess, I'd say HBO. Hmm. Like, it's it's very hard to explain, you know, pre-Sopranos HBO to like a young person or even (laughs) a medium old person now, right? Like where they used, it used to just be a channel that would play like Police Academy movies and like. God, I've two. seen every, every yeah. <laughs> six of them. Right. And I ask people, it, you exactly. haven't and seen
0: like, Police Academy, the full franchise? What's wrong <laughs> with you? And like
2: the, when they did have original programming and it was like dream on, you know, oh, and real sex mm. and like these. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm going to guess that I either saw this as like, you know, a bottom of the barrel sort of blockbuster trip like, oh, we could get this situation, or it was just on HBO at random, you know? I was watching it last night, and it's, it sort of holds up as, like, a very late 80s, early 90s movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, But it's the, the action, you know? But just watching horses jump through plate glass windows will never get old, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And I, Emilio Estevez... As like the hero, as like the tough guy, he's like way shorter than everybody yes. else in <laughs> yep. the gang. I know that, sh- I know that shouldn't matter, but like it kind of matters, right? But I, <laughs> I just I kept watching it, being like, is he scary? Is he is he really intimidating? But I think I think he won me over. You know, I, mm-hmm. I came in there, I went into this movie this time being like, I don't know if this is gonna work, but it did. It did for me. He he sold me the charisma, you know, but also the malice, but like the code. Remember the
0: stories they tell us about the three Chinamen playing Fantan? Someone runs up to him and says, Hey, the world is coming to an end. And the first one says, Well, I best go to the mission and pray. And the second one says, Well, hell, I'm gonna go buy me a case of Mezcal and six whores. And the third one says, Well, I shall finish the game. I shall finish the game, Doc. Who's ever going for old Mexico? We ride now.
2: It was a better movie than I thought it was going to be, quite frankly. And it's, you know, it's not Unforgiven, for example. You know, it's not the best Western of its era, but it, it 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 holds up for what it is.
0: I think he played the only cowboy he could have played, which is a cowboy named The Kid. That's like the only <laughs> cowboy he could have played away yeah. with. It. You know, if yeah. it wasn't any other cowboy, he's like, what's Emilia,
1: really? Well, I actually, I looked it up. He's 28 in this movie.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess.
1: Yeah, so he's just Playing a, a teenager or someone in the early twenties as long as he can.
2: There we go, mm-hmm. and he can get away with it. Definitely, I, this is not my favorite Emilio Estevez movie. That's still going to be Men at Work. Mm. I think. <laughs> Remember when he and Charlie were yeah. garbage yeah. men? Like I that that's an HBO classic. That I can tell you absolutely for sure. I watched on HBO at like four in the afternoon.
0: You guys <laughs> should do a draft a about times. that uh, best HBO classic.
2: Mm. You know, draft. Movie. Yes, no that that is that is a ringer core idea. You know, there i there aren't many people at the ringer who remember this era of HBO, but but there are a few.
0: You can begin the out. the draft with that HBO presentation that like, <laughs> travels to the whole thing.
2: <laughs> do 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 yep. yeah. <laughs> 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 That kind of freaked me out a little bit when I was a kid. Like, it was just so intense, you know, <laughs> yeah. and melodramatic. And it's like, is this going to be a horror movie? Like, yeah. you know? And then Conehead I, starts I, I, playing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Conehead I, I, I do have a weird, like, childhood sort of connection to that intro. That was a big intro. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> All
2: right,
0: we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Rob Harvilla is going to join us as we take a deep dive to Blaze of Glory, John Jovi's song for Young Guns 2. Don't get shot. We're back and joining us today is The Ringers Rob Harbilla from Sissy Song that is playing in the 90s. And we're about to take a deep dive into his pick. Yes, Blaze of Glory by John Bon Jovi from Young Guns 2. But first, Sophie, let's see your song setup, and I'm gonna record you from a helicopter okay. while you read it, okay? Helicopter <laughs> okay. shots and song setup. Let's go.
1: <laughs> Blaze of Glory is a hard rock song written and performed by John Bon Jovi for the 1990 film Young Guns 2. That's right, this is the first solo single from John Bon Jovi and the title track on the Blaze of Glory album, all the songs on which were inspired by this movie. John Bon Jovi is, of course, the leader of the rock band Bon Jovi that formed in 1983. The band shot to success with hits like Living on a Prayer and You Give Love a Bad Name. In 1989, the band had recorded their albums Slippery When Wet and New Jersey back-to-back and then toured for 16 months. So everyone in the band was exhausted, and when it was all over, everyone simply went home with no definitive plans of what was next for the band. Uh, During this period, the band members started entertaining solo projects. So Emilio Estevez happens to call up John Bon Jovi, who's apparently his friend, by the way, to ask him permission to use Wanted Dead or Alive on the soundtrack for Young Guns 2. Allegedly, Bon Jovi didn't think the lyrics were appropriate for the film, as the song likens outlaws to touring rock stars, but he was inspired to write an entirely new song that would fit with the project's period and setting. In an interview with Uncut magazine, Kiefer Sutherland witnessed John Bon Jovi writing the song. He said, "When John joined the team for Young Guns 2, we were all eating hamburgers in a diner and John was scribbling on this napkin for say 6 minutes. He declared he'd written Blaze of Glory, which of course then went through the roof in the States. We were munching burgers while he wrote a number one song. Made us feel stupid." And through the roof, it did go. It was number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It was nominated for two MTV Video Music Awards, two Grammy Awards, and an Academy Award. The song won a Golden Globe for Best Original Song. And this was the year that Dick Tracy came out, so he was up against Madonna in all the movie song categories. The album was less of a success, despite the good performance of the single and multiple features, including Elton John, Little Richard, and Jeff Beck. It peaked at number three on the Billboard 200 but got mostly negative reviews. Apparently this is a crowd favorite among Bon Jovi fans even though this isn't technically one of the band's songs. But I'd like to hear what you both think. Is it fair to call this a Bon Jovi song or would you rather this one get left in the dust?
0: So Rob, I gotta ask you, what's your relationship to Bon Jovi? Is this peak music <laughs> yeah. for Rob Harvilla's formative
2: musical years? I've decided that one of... My key origin stories as a kid, like the moment when I became the Joker (laughs) was when I was like maybe nine or 10 years old and I asked for Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Like I wanted that tape. But my parents wouldn't get it for me. I respect that decision enormously, (laughs) given several aspects of the Guns N' Roses experience. And so instead, I got New Jersey by Mm. (laughs) Bonho. And I loved that album. I think it was 1988. That was like my favorite album of all time for a couple of years when I was like 10 or 11. Right. Mm -hmm. And I... The other thing, a concept on my show that I always talk about, but I feel like I will never be able to convey to people how important MTV was to me from, like, 1985 to 1995. You know, like, MTV is another thing, like HBO, where, like, now it just plays ridiculousness, you know, for 23 and a half hours a day. Like, people do not understand the importance of MTV, at least to me, like in its playing videos all the time Mm -hmm. era. And like, I I would go to my grandma's house and my grandma, like a bunch of uh, my aunts and uncles also lived in the house. There were three floors and there were times when MTV was playing on the television on every floor of the house. It was on the second floor, and the ground floor, in the basement. They're all watching the same thing, obviously, but it's just MTV was on all the time. And I distinctly remember the premiere of the blazes blaze of glory video mm-hmm. i debated whether or not to watch it again or whether it would be better just as my memory but like i basically remember <laughs> it's just John bon jovi wandering around a, a drive-in movie theater on a mountain yeah. yeah he's got the black vest with no shirt uh oh, yeah. i but i i remember that so distinctly and i remember loving this song immediately and like permanently but what's funny to me and why I think I remember this more as an 80s song, as a 90s song, is like, I loved New Jersey by Bon Jovi, one of my favorite albums up to that point. And then the next Bon Jovi album, I think, is 1992, Keep the Faith. And I did not buy it, and I don't think mm. I ever heard it because nir- Nirvana had happened. Oh, right? yeah. I became I became an alternative rock kid. Overnight, And I don't think it's as severe as like I renounced Bon Jovi or was <laughs> humiliated by it or would like tell people it sucked or like threw out all my old like sort of hair metal, pop metal tapes. But it's just it's funny to me now how quickly I turned my back on them.
0: Somewhere out there, there's like B-roll of, you know, that E.T. Uh, Atari game that they are just dumped in a- That's right,
2: it's mm-hmm. buried it's in buried a- yeah, It's like buried in all the
0: glam metal albums, they're just like, psh, buried. buried. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, what is your connection to Bon Jovi and this song, have, have you heard this song before?
1: I have heard this song before, but I think not being that familiar with Young Gun, the Young Guns franchise, I kind of melded it together in my brain with Wanted Dead or Alive because there are some lyrical similarities in this song. Like, I think he literally says Wanted Dead or Alive or or I'm a wanted man in the lyrics. So they just sort of Mm -hmm. melded for me. I came up. Uh, a little bit later, I had. Uh, so, my cultural reference for Bon Jovi is It's My Life. Like, that is what okay. introduced me to Bon Jovi. It's my life. Now or never, I ain't gonna live forever. And I think around the same time, no doubt, did that cover of the Talk Talk It's My Life. So, mm. it like, those songs are, it, that is a, it's my life era for me.
2: <laughs> it's a good cover. That's a good cover, the No Down It's a great cover. cover. I like that a lot. It is.
0: Yeah. The first thing I think about Bon Jovi is my high school band, uh, mm-hmm. in which I was a drummer. But precisely the moment I knew my band wasn't destined for fame and stardom. And it was the moment where, including myself on backup vocals, we try to sing this. I just remember being in in practice and being like, I don't, shit, I don't think we
1: we
2: we have the key what key change is tough, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough key that change. That
1: really is. I wouldn't even attempt that at karaoke with my friends. Um, exactly, yeah. <laughs>
2: I, a, a lot of bad karaoke uh-huh. inspired by that key change. So don't take it so
0: hard. <laughs> so you've mentioned something already before, which is sort of something I I wanted to ask you. But is this song secretly about eighties rock? it's 1990 you said Nirvana never mind is a year away mm-hmm. run explode mm-hmm. is John singing about 80s rock style just going out in a blaze of glory
2: I've lived life to the fullest let this boy die like a man yeah that is a fantastic <laughs> read on this song I first of all I, Sophie is absolutely right like I it is possible I've read some places that say that Emilio Estevez wanted wanted dead or alive oh yeah yeah, yeah. This he is yeah. movie. OK, and so John was like, I can just write the song again. But like, yeah, <laughs> <apical. And laughs> that's you. that's that's very obviously what he did. Like, Wanted Dead or Alive is so funny because it's like half a let's imagine we're Cowboys" song and half. a am so sad. I'm on tour, uh-huh. you know, and I'm a lonely song. It's like Turn the Page by Bob Seger. Like it's it's the self-pitying. But I also I've seen a million faces and I've rocked them all song. So, like, first of all, <laughs> Blaze of Glory Impolitely, you know, you could say it's just John Bon Jovi ripping off himself, totally, basically. But I—that's a fantastic read of this song because it's hard to remember right there in 1990 what people thought was going to happen with rock. Like, I think at least in retrospect, like Nirvana just happens overnight, you know, and every hair metal band, like Poison, White Snake, whatever, like just they just spontaneously combusts. You know and it didn't happen like that but I I do think that we're in a transitional period right in this moment where like Bon Jovi is riding high and they they they're fine right like they go on to be mega rock stars for the rest of their lives it's not like they were wiped off the map but I think that hair metal in the John Bon Jovi tradition is still totally like the dominant flavor of rock music on MTV in this moment I don't think that John Bon Jovi knows not that the end is coming, but that a major shift is coming. Mm-hmm. Could he see it coming subconsciously? Does he sort of understand, you know, that, that like the wind, the you know, the winds of change, uh, etc. I that's a really great read on that song. I like that a lot, and I think that's very possible.
0: So you mentioned that he basically rewrote the same song just with another name yeah. yeah um except uh-huh. he invited jeff bag me like can you just like add something because i need
1: <laughs> add a little spice yeah
2: um which he does which he does he very much does yes
0: so maybe that explains why it took him six minutes and wrote, wrote it in a napkin uh apparently uh, that's what
2: right yeah when he was sitting with the other guys yeah right, he was I sitting he was too. sitting
0: with the cast mm-hmm. getting burgers <laughs> and he just like wrote a song and i in in a napkin, and that became a number one hit," said uh, Keith Sullivan. And he made That's him sort right. of feel like stupid that he was on set for months, working, <laughs> doing his job, and then this guy comes. Did John inspire Keith Urban to become a musician? Do you think that was the point where Keith Erseland would be like, "Do you think he just saw I right? I like that sounds like a like a better gig."
2: I think that may be right. I am not super familiar with Kiefer's uh, musical career. I don't know if. if oh, you Oh, I, I got are. some clips
0: for you if you want. Please hit me! Hit me!
2: Let's have it. There's not enough whiskey in the world tonight. There's not enough whiskey for that's you to see the light. That's a man's. No, so, that's totally John Bon Jovi. That is
1: yeah. a man. I mean, yeah, so. he also Holy
0: became molly. a cowboy. So, you know, if you want to okay, even talk. Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> Kiefer just woke. Will- Whiskey on a napkin was like, I I got it. I got it it from here.
2: Um, I can rhyme whiskey with whiskey.
1: Um, Paolo, I'm so glad that you brought up the napkin because I was also inspired by Kiefer Sutherland's story about John Bon Jovi writing this song on a diner napkin. And it made me wonder what other songs were written on a napkin. And I did some research. We got, you gotta fight for your right to party by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> they wrote that on a napkin. <clears throat> <Excellent.
0: laughs>
2: Two words fight, party. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, all you need. That's- <laughs>
1: Uh, A little bit more of a lyrical one. We got your song by Elton John.
2: Oh, Bernie. That's lovely. That's lovely. My mom really freaks out whenever that song on the radio. Yeah, that's that's a lot of words in that song. Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. Uh, And then also Mercedes Benz by Janis Joplin. She and Bob Neuwirth were having a poetry jam and uh, people were writing down what she was saying. But then I thought, what are some other things other than songs? (laughs) And uh,
2: the Magna Carta. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: right. Um, well, how about the most depressing poem of all time? Ernest Hemingway was hanging out with some friends at a bar and he bet them he could write an entire story in six words. So you probably remember this from that English class. hmm. Yes. For sale, baby shoes, never worn.
2: Never worn. Mm-hmm. That was on a napkin. That, that was on
1: a sense. napkin. It would fit. And also, how about everyone's favorite week of the year during a brainstorming what? session in a bar? Discovery Channel executives were spitballing ideas, and I don't know how many rounds they had. I like to think a few because someone pitched Shark Week and they wrote it on a napkin.
0: I love how you put that right next to Hemingway. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As in sort of of one leads right into the other.
1: How about some legal documents? Uh, We got Lionel Messi's first contract was written on a napkin. (laughs) Uh the okay. s- the scouting director just saw him was like I'm locking you down immediately wrote that on a napkin. And the last one is that binding?
2: Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs>
1: uh the last one is Spielberg's Prenup. He jotted down that uh with Amy Irving, uh but their, in their divorce the judge didn't accept it. So that gonna settlement cost,
0: yeah. So that, that yeah. answers your question about napkins as a legal document,
1: yeah. Not always legally binding, but for Messi, this I guess it information. was information, <laughs> yeah. Rob, you
0: mentioned something about the music video, and I want to ask is there a more rock star move than playing a guitar while you're filmed from a helicopter? Is that the pinnacle? Pretty rock
2: star move, yeah. You think about, I think about uh, uh, November rain, right? Yeah. The slash mm. shot when he's outside the church. That video is so funny to me. Like the, what John Bon Jovi masters in that video is the I'm gonna pretend my acoustic guitar is a shotgun. Yes. Pose <laughs> right, like you Machine. you you point it. Yeah, you you <laughs> hold it vertically and you point it up. You know, to to accentuate your height and awesomeness. And then when you're singing, like you sling it behind your back, right, mm-hmm. and you do that thing. Like I would never try that because I would drag the guitar on the ground. Like <laughs> that. that seems like a simple move, but it's not. Or like you hold it by your side or like you hug the guitar. Like this this is a loving tribute to John Bon Jovi's guitar mm-hmm. embedded within this song. They they have a, they have a wonderful, very loving, very full, intimate relationship, clearly.
0: By the way, apparently I saw this on a behind the scenes, but they asked the director, Why do you like working with Bon Jovi? And he's like because he stays to sleep on the mountain. He doesn't ask for a hotel. So apparently oh. Bon Jovi oh, nice. stays sl- on top of the mountain. He slept the night and made his manager. Also
1: <laughs> He's a true cowboy. With an old
2: coat for a pillow. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. he's, that's, he's, that's, that's called method acting.
1: Okay, well, that's, he's... now we're connecting the, or at least I'm connecting the dots here. Because initially I couldn't really figure out why Bon Jovi had these, like, so many kind of Western inspired songs especially when they're famously Mm -hmm. from New Jersey. Um, But uh, Bon Jovi definitely had a country streak. In uh, 2006, he actually won a Grammy for a country song, Who Says You Can't Go Mm -hmm. Home. Uh, Which I missed this one, but it was a big hit on the country charts. So I think he's, he's a country boy at heart for sure.
2: If you listen to the whole record, the the Blaze of Glory record, like, first of all, th- there are no songs as good as Blaze of Glory right. on this record, unfortunately. But like, it's it is more right. it sounds like country music sounds now, mm-hmm. you know, country music. Like, I remember when that Bon Jovi, you know, country crossover happened in 2006, and it made total sense because the sound of country music now is like pop metal. Yeah. Right. You know, there's there's a lot of blur there. And like Bon Jovi weirdly turned out to be really influential on country now. But like this, the the whole Blaze of Glory record sounds like a country record. Like it kind of did at the time, mm-hmm. honestly, but it really does now. So that makes total sense.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I read that they went to the Caribbean retreat as a band after because they took a hiatus from the touring. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, does, bon Jovi yeah. did the... Uh, the blaze of glory album and then they met sort of like are we gonna keep going as a band mm-hmm. Fire be a fly the wall i would guess they were like shit grunge are we gonna do that i don't know uh, what do we who should we become don't. now and someone was like well john yeah. had success with that yeah. blaze Got- of glory maybe that's who we should, we should be go Let's country go. Mm-hmm. that that seemed to work
2: <laughs> it sure did yeah it's it, again it's like i don't think bon jovi were ever like they didn't have records as huge as Slippery When Wet, right. of course, and, and New Jersey, but like they they managed just fine. You know, like like bands that were big in the eighties, that that really struggled in the nineties often like tried to sound like the nineties, right? Like I think Bon Jovi had it right, where they didn't I'm sure they were aware. Of grunge and what was suddenly very popular and what had taken their spots on mtv or whatever but like they were secure enough in themselves that like they didn't change themselves too much to try and pander to what they thought was popular now like like they they stayed true to their roots Mm -hmm. you know like a true cowboy
0: (laughs) before we go move on to answerable questions Rob, i have a question which is where do you put bon jovi like i i feel like it's hard it's hard for me to like pinpoint them because I don't put them in the uh, Aerosmith or a U2 maybe you know these like bands that have like Mm. decades of decades of albums and discography but I also don't put them in the poison category or Mm -hmm. you know they're they're not there they're sort of a, a little bit of no man's land for me uh, oh, that's very cowboy actually. That's very Ooh, fitting for yeah. them. That's right. I think they would love A man to be, without a country. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they would love that no man's land. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, where do you sort Absolutely. of like put them in this sort of like... In the context of these bands that sort of transcend decades and are with us mm-hmm. for more than mm-hmm. either one or two?
2: Yeah, they're weird that way because I agree with you that like there's... Pop metal-wise, like they got huge in, you know, the 80s. You know, started in the late 70s, got huge in the 80s. You know, you could say that about Van Halen, right? Mm. Like, there's there's some crossover there without era, but because they're from New Jersey, like, the, the another guy who is looming over this Blaze of Glory album is Bruce Springsteen, right? Like, right. just whenever you get, like, a harmonica and, like, an accordion, you know, and you're trying to write character studies, like, there's a whole lot of Bruce Springsteen or Bruce Springsteen, you know, lust in John Bon Jovi's music, especially solo. And so that that's an element of it. And again, like, you know, they didn't try to be a grunge band once the 90s started, but they did try to update their sound a little bit to transcend decades, like you said, like, I, I, I think that canonically, the biggest Bon Jovi songs always and forever are going to be, you know, from Slippery When Wet, from New Jersey, you know, it's Wanted, Dead or Alive. It's, mm-hmm shot through the heart it's it's living on a prayer i can't believe i almost forgot living on a prayer but yeah it's but i do think that the country thing also helps them right because there was also all that was a shrewd pivot you know to understand like country music is more like rock and roll in the 80s than rock and roll is now you know a like, there's a guy there's a country star named eric church who i really 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 like a lot and who would have been a great like pop metal rock star like mm. in the eighties and now he's a great country star, you know, but I, I think he could have thrived in that era, you know, with that sound, you know, and that, you know, fashion mm. <laughs> universe just as well as he's thriving now. And I'm gonna sit
3: around here.
2: So I, I think there's a, a, a just enough variance to Bon Jovi between the country, between the Springsteen, that allows them to not get stuck, you know, the way we perceive at least like a poison or a winger, you know, as being stuck, mm-hmm. you know. And I it just a song like "Living on a Prayer," you know, that key change is murder, but that key change is fantastic when they do it right. Yeah, like there is, is a fundamental like, superiority to their songwriting and, like, their anthem Mm -hmm. songwriting. And it's, like, as cheesy as you think it is or the fashion is or their hair is or whatever, like, the songs as songs really are undeniable, you know? And that's going to transcend, you know, trends, broadly speaking, just enough to keep them from being remembered as, like, an 80s band and nothing
3: more. Mm
0: -hmm. My favorite thing I found during research is apparently when bon jovi caught his hair from long to it was a cnn story they talked about it in cnn Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. do you anticipate the fuss has been from your loyal core fans when your hair was snipped i never anticipated the attention that i received you know both good and bad um I, I had no idea that, that anybody would even care or notice. To be honest with you, uh, when I got a haircut, I thought to myself, "Hey, it'll grow back. You know, no big deal." Um, but it truly got more attention than I ever thought. And it was, um, you know, it's not a case of Samson and Delilah here. I didn't lose, you know, my my strength or nothing when I cut my hair.
2: No, it's it's like Felicity. Yeah, you know, <laughs> when Felicity cut her hair, or Metallica. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: right answerable questions uh let's do a let's quick do round it. answerable questions seven seconds in heaven what seven seconds from the song gives you goosebumps
2: man this is a tough one mm-hmm. the, the whole song the whole song basically does that but what i decided on is the the lead into the second chorus where he yells shot like really <laughs> intensely in that rock star way you know and he's uh, the, the, that's when the video really clicks for me you know when he's got the the, the, the guitar you know the the drive in movie theater just the aesthetic everything sort of leads to that one perfect moment leading into the second chorus that's that's my goosebumps
3: moment mm-hmm. i think
1: Mine, Pella, I feel like I'm stealing your move, your your traditional move around here, but it is right in the beginning where that modern guitar comes in with that springy mm-hmm. Old West sound. It's really blending the rock and the country sounds perfectly, and I think that it just mm-hmm. really sets us up for what the song is going to be.
0: yeah i love that it. guitar riff apparently one thing you know a lot of respect to john bon Jovi, who really was excited about this project. you can tell i found this soundbite where he he wanted to include that in the score mm. uh and he was like mad that he couldn't so this is an inner from an interview uh decades later <laughs> here oh he's still a little mad the theme of, of young guns the guitar part that could have, should have been used in the score. They didn't even give me a chance to argue for that 22
2: years ago.
1: Ooh, he's still mad. Mad. He is <laughs> mad. Yeah. I've um, never but heard then, him
2: that mad. That was mm.
0: from a, a, an interview for when he was doing promo for this movie, Stand Up Guys, which he wrote two songs. It's Stand Up Guys is a movie with Al Pacino, mm. uh, Alan Rigman, and Christopher Walken. Yeah, he wrote two songs. If you want to preview one, one of them is going... It's called Not Running Anymore.
3: Yeah,
1: that's it's a country wolf. song.
2: All right. That is a country song. He worked with
0: uh, Lyle Workman and that one to mm. sort of incorporate from the score. Man, my seven seconds, pick any seven seconds from Jeff Beck's solo. It's <laughs> just, mm-hmm. oof, it's so good. Pretty rad. Yeah. There's this really cool soundbite that I found of Jeff Begg and Bon Jovi in the studio. And you can just see how sort of he was geeking out over just working with Jeff Begg and, and and the amount of respect uh, here. When Jeff came in, all I wanted to do was please him. If he wanted pizza, I was going to the pizza shop to get it for him. We're going to have the, the girls singing over this. Yeah. And they'll just be doing oohs. Yeah. So I think that we need to do something a little slower. Okay. They'll just be going ooh. ooh,
3: ooh, ooh, ooh Okay. Like that, so if you were playing around that kind of thinking gospel I think that'd be too okay. fast. Okay, you right. You can hit me anytime you want.
2: Okay. I'm not supposed to tell Jeff that what the oh, playing that's guitar. That's red. That's mm-hmm. so red. Yeah. Elton yeah. John is on this record. Elton, John and Ludo Little Richard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so weird, yeah, isn't
0: it? <laughs> uh, favorite lyric. Each host sheds light on the favorite lyric. Uh, Rob, what do you have?
2: I got. I got to go with "Let This Boy Die Like a Man." You know, and now <laughs> I'm always going to think about this song now as a song about '80s rock. That's just the yeah. perfect way to, to look at it. As the end of an era, right? The, the death of the cowboy. That's I. It's the that that's such a poignant moment, and when the, the drums come in, like this song. Music critics use the word "cinematic" like all the time, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone. And like it's it's a pretty corny, inexact word most of the time. But like I do think that this song really does work, as you said from the beginning, like from the very first riff, mm-hmm. you know, that combines the country and the and the rock. Like it's just it's so expertly immersive, and I think that you know it all culminates, you know, with this funereal like "Please let me die," you know, yeah. a man. <laughs> vibe that's that's very cheesy on the one hand, but like legitimately affecting on the other. So that that would be mine for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: So what do you got?
1: I actually also picked the the same <laughs> nice. phrase. Uh but I i have a backup just because I thought this might happen. Uh mine is it's a line from the chorus Lord I never drew first, but I drew first blood. I'm the devil's son. Call me young gun. And it's just hearkening to those stories of the quick shot outlaw. He didn't draw first but he got the first hit. It's just good mm-hmm. storytelling also,
0: love when you can fit the movie title in the song That oh, is yeah. pure master composing <laughs> uh, like the studio loved it i was oh, like yeah. approved
2: that's, that's why all he's want. the best he,
1: he couldn't crazy. get i'm young gun two in there but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that
2: would be that mm-hmm. would have ruined the meter but um i went gun, with <laughs> uh
0: you're brought into this world but they say you're born in sin well mm-hmm. at least they gave me something i didn't have to steal or have to win Oh. Mm-hmm. Dang. Honestly, respect for John Mongeau's work here. <laughs> He's a poet. These six minutes of work that he did on this song.
2: That's Springsteen talking.
0: Yep. Yeah. Hall of Fame moment. Who or what had their best moment in pop culture with this movie or song? It can be anything. A person, a studio, a film, a music genre. Rob, what do you have? Do you have a Hall of Fame moment? Does anyone have or anything have a Hall of Fame moment in this?
2: I do think that the video is sort of a peak moment in the history of like overblown but still very affecting like hair metal Mm -hmm. late hair metal videos you know there's a poignancy to it like he's a little, like it's funny that Jeff Beck doesn't even get to be in the video with him or maybe he didn't want to be Jeff He got Jeff
0: he wasn't the second video. one Miracle there was another single okay, from the okay, album
2: good.
1: he didn't want to have to sleep on the mountain which <laughs> <laughs> i yeah, saw some no,
2: yeah no Jeff Beck ain't <laughs> sleeping on the mountain yeah. no
0: <laughs> he wa- he was, the other one he was like loving the t- the margaritas on set that's all he had to say uh, i love the margaritas on set
2: that's all you have to say. Um, I do think that the video is a is a it's a Hall of Fame moment for me because again, I cherish those moments when I can remember like exactly where I was and like when I saw a video for the first time and when it, it prints itself on me immediately that way. I really do, the more I think about it, I'm coming around to this idea like this is where the eighties ended, mm-hmm. you know, went out in a blaze of glory and the nineties were about to begin, you know, it's sort of this acknowledgement. That, that something big is coming and that I'm going to renounce, not renounce, but like just sort of ignore everything that I loved before, you know, two years from now, I'm not going to remember any of this, but it's still a very profound moment for me now, just mm-hmm. this video and like the windswept did they build the drive in movie theater yeah. for the video? Because that's a very inconvenient location. Yeah, I, yeah. I, they I they also
1: they, set it on fire <laughs> also, at the end. And it's they like, also yeah. burned it down. Yeah.
2: That's like that. So it's like that was rude of them. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, that's you, you gotta you gotta light it on fire at the end. Yeah. I guess
1: that's how symbolic though, a blaze of glory.
2: It is I'm saying yeah. it's extremely you guys nailed it, yeah. absolutely.
0: Sophie, uh you have any Hall of Fame?
1: Yeah. So what I prepared is actually really similar to what we've been talking about. So as we've said that this is uh, the end of 80s rock. This is sort of, this song is marking the end of 80s rock. But I feel like this movie is also marking the end of the Brat Pack. Like this mm-hmm. is uh, an end of 80s teen culture. So my Hall of Fame moment is for the end of an era of pop culture. It's going out in a blaze of glory.
0: Dang, that's good. Yeah. All the connections. Um, my Hall of Fame moment. I thought about this and I went, "Music layup for a musician." I mean, talk about a project that's just like he's a fan of cowboys. He already wrote a song for it. Like all mm-hmm. of the scenarios he had to succeed was like, "What a layup!" I mean, he he did it. He 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 put it in, but then yeah. that was like. You know, he wanted to be on set, everything. He was just like having fun. So, yeah, music layup. Uh, all right.
2: He's in the movie, right? Yeah, he, 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 came gets, up, he gets yeah, shot, yeah. which
0: apparently like the crew when he when he got shot, he was like shot through the heart was the joke on set. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
2: I've heard that one before. Yeah. guys. Uh,
0: yeah. uh, Remix, which of today's current artists or band would you be? Your choice if the movie came out today, Rob. What do you have?
2: I was gonna say Eric Church, mm. the country guy. Like I think it's very clearly a country. Chris Stapleton would also nail this. Like a guy like Luke Combs, like a, a a a country star who has the grit, you know, and the energy and the production values of like a rock star from that era. Like again, like this is country music. Like even somebody like Luke Bryan could maybe take a shot at it. But I do think that either Eric Church or Chris Stapleton, you know, would totally nail that tone and that combination. Mm.
0: There's some actually legit good picks. Yeah, Uh, Sophie, what, what do you got?
1: I knew this was a country song, but I also knew that I'm not well versed enough to pick a current country artist. So I <laughs> skewed rock and I thought of someone who's in a band who occasionally does solo projects who could maybe do something interesting with this. We need to lay
0: up. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so I picked Julian Casablancas from The Strokes.
2: Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Julian Casablancas is not sleeping on the mountain.
1: Yeah. For sure. for sure. For
2: sure. He's you passing can out on the mountain hotel. though, maybe. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's sleeping. Uh-huh. Yeah, just let him let him be. I wow. went for mm-hmm.
0: Cowboy Phil. I thought Gary Clark Jr. could do uh you know Yes. He, he doesn't need yeah. to call in That's Jeff excellent. Beck. He's like, I got I got all all exactly. Parts of this, he can you know.
2: He can do it himself. That's a great one. I like that yeah. a
0: lot. Is this a car song? No one can define it, but everyone knows it when they hear it. Yep. Is this a song to listen in the car, bro?
2: I would say it's more of a horse song. Uh, there we is. go. Absolute, absolutely, it's a car song. <laughs> I just put a I, boombox I, on that song, horse yeah. and
0: you're just like <laughs> I,
2: that's right maybe you have to hold it or like with one hand I don't know the logistics are challenging I judge a car song by what whether the song compels me to drive like 20 miles faster than I ought to <laughs> like for the chorus like I subconsciously or very consciously actually just like go burn suddenly I'm going 95 and like this is that song for me absolutely this is a car
1: song no question so yeah 100 percent car song All the way. I think so.
0: I thought about perfect for, like, if you're driving to work and you're going to quit, what else could you go with?
2: You know? (laughs) Yeah. Like, pump up. And you just drive through the office. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) Drive through the 110 through all traffic. You're just going to, you know. Hey, that's the way to get your helicopter shot by the news. Has hey, you running? go. police chasing you?
2: There you go. Let the news shoot you for you. Yes, <laughs> uh-huh. absolutely. Uh,
0: Patreon submitted a question: What is your favorite full soundtrack album by a popular music band or artist? Rob, because this is a full I mean, album by him.
1: Yeah, I'm and it's saying, like it
2: is. It it's is. the
0: biggest gesture a pop me- artist or a popular music artist can do to soundtrack. It's the biggest gift. Not just one song. I'm mm-hmm. gifting you all of these
2: songs. You can have the whole thing. But they didn't. I, I agree with John Bon Jovi that he should be mad. Like it's it's playing over the end credits, mm-hmm. right? But like otherwise, John Bon Jovi, other than the cameo, is not incorporated into the, the the movie at all. And like I agree with him that like the riff from this song would make a better theme for the score to the movie than whatever the score to the movie is. Mm-hmm. i it's so easy but if purple rain counts there's yeah, no way I it's ride. Not purple yeah. no it does it, it does counts. like it's I, yeah. I, I almost felt compelled like do you know once uh the movie once i think yeah, it was from 2007 yeah. Yeah, the, the, about the duet. i really loved yeah. that i yes exactly i mm-hmm. felt compelled to have a backup but like it's it, if it's if purple it's purple rain, purple rain. Yeah. I mean it just is.
0: I have something similar <laughs> to you, and I, I don't know how you'll feel, but I have Batman by Prince. <laughs> I, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I, right. I love that soundtrack, even though it gets thrown to mm-hmm. zombies in a movie by <laughs> Shandon of the Dead. I adore that soundtrack. <laughs> that's a, right,
2: that's right. Yeah,
0: that was a the vinyl they were like, yeah, throw this. And I was like, no, what's wrong
3: throw
2: that? it? What? Yeah.
0: Keep it. I love mark. that scene. But uh yeah. that soundtrack just does it for me for some reason. It's just so weird.
3: New
0: king town. it can only it's happen very in a movie weird. soundtrack world maybe that's why i love it because it's like only a movie can yeah. do this sophie what do you have
1: i i couldn't pick so i have two one the classic it's the one of the number one sold soundtracks uh saturday night fever bg's
3: yeah Yeah, I grew grew up with that
1: album playing. My dad is a disco fan forever. Yep. So that was, (laughs) I know all those songs by heart. And then the other one, this one just comes from me and my childhood, but Labyrinth by David Bowie. All those songs are his. And as promised, I always find a way to bring up David Bowie (laughs) in every episode of the podcast. And I didn't disappoint this episode.
3: Dance Magic Dance.
0: Dance, dance, magic, dance, dance, baby, spell me. Nice. Uh, last question. Quick one. Will the song go on? Will the song live on and continue to be pop of pop culture,
2: Rob? I feel like it's a testament to the song that it did what it said it was going to do and went out in a blaze of glory. Right. Mm-hmm. I think what makes this song so great and lasting and admirable is that it's not trying to be relevant you know in 2022 or even 1992 right like it is it is distinctly of its moments you know it is sticking to its guns you know it (laughs) is doing all the cowboy shit right Mm -hmm. it is it is the song is is embodying what the song is about and i think for that reason in the best way you know it is this is this song is 1990 to the core it is made for this exact transitional moment Let me make my final stand like that's him what he wants Mm -hmm. and what he wants is for it to end here. And it does. And it's glorious.
1: I think so. I don't think that it quite measures up to the Bon Jovi biggest hits, Um, but it's it's going on the greatest hits record still. And also there's apparently a Young Guns 3 in the works right now. So we (laughs) might hear that song again. Which, Maybe we'll get it as a theme in the movie this time. Which somehow Yikes, they're yeah. gonna
0: bring an actor who died in the Young Guns. Yeah, studios. I don't uh, know how they're gonna write that
1: one in. But yeah, Lou Diamond Phillips is uh, supposed to be in it, so I don't know how they're gonna explain that.
2: My wife had a huge crush on Lou Diamond Phillips when she was a kid. She tells La Bamba a lot. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's Richie that's Valens. Another, it. Get, another. Are they recasting it, or is it is it like the a- the, the actual? Actor no,
1: movie. I think it's like aged Yikes. up. Yeah. Not oh, so, no. not so young guns. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'll be excited to see that on uh Tubi or whatever. Else. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe Hulu. Yeah. Well, Rob, thank
0: you so much for joining us on the pod. Uh, it was
2: great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So much fun <laughs> to just go down this rabbit hole. That's what we love about you know doing this pod. Is just like there's just so much weird yeah. shit in the world of movie soundtracks, <laughs> and it never you gets
2: old. Thanks so
0: much, guys. It was great to be here. It was so cool to have Rob on the pod, Rice right? So, like, that was so much fun talking about this song specifically also with him. I'm so glad he chose it.
1: Yeah, I don't think that either of us would have picked it. So no, it definitely yes, this, this gave us a good chance to talk about something There was new. a
0: huge blindside on on my end. So, yeah. And then also just give me a chance to reconnect with so much things. But we couldn't go out without any YouTube comments. We gotta give the people what they want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's dive into it. This is one song that if you told 17 year old me that I'd be listening to it 30 years later, I'd totally believe it. A classic. And then that made me think, Pella, what songs were you listening to at 17 that you'll still Ooh. be listening to in 30 years?
0: Dang, Sophie, you really caught me by surprise there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is cheating. John Williams?
1: That is cheating.
0: It is. I'm sorry. I think it
1: has to be a song that came out when you were 17.
0: Well, I discover him by that age. It's really hard to keep listening to stuff. This much much of the stuff that I was listening to, I don't
1: well, that's why this comment is so... Keen? <laughs>
0: okay, okay, Keen. I think Keen, yeah, I think their first and second album, uh, I still listen to it, not regularly, but I still like them, and every once in a while, I'll listen to them. Okay. But I was devouring those albums during that age period when they came out. And yeah, they still hold on. Unfortunately, their other albums didn't didn't do much for me, but those two are just classics. Uh, What about you? You really surprised me with this one. I might want to think another one while you talk. Okay. <laughs> Mention your, but do you have any in mind?
1: Here, I have a story. The day after prom, our senior prom, when I was 17 years old, my friends and I went to a concert that was being hosted by a radio station. So it had a Did bunch really? of different you artists. You one of those? Yeah. And the headliners were All-American Rejects. (laughs) But here's who else was performing. Some pop punk band that I can't remember, sorry. Some 41? No, I would remember. Some 41 would not open the show. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 no, I didn't know, yeah.
1: Yeah. Then we also had 303, (laughs) do you remember
0: that? No, I don't remember Oh,
1: I remember them big time. And there was Flo Rida also. And then the person who brought us there in the first place, Lady Gaga. PokerFace had just come out. Can't
3: read live, can't read
1: no,
0: we can't
3: read she
1: wasn't headlining, but she was a big draw for a lot of people there. And I think I'll still be listening to PokerFace.
0: I'm so jealous. I don't have any experience of watching an artist live when they are in the cusp of like becoming big. You know, in Puerto Rico, they already came when they're huge you know Paul McCartney low, or you stuff can't like blame that.
1: everything on Puerto Rico just admit that you weren't cool
0: she was awesome were you like oh she's gonna be big like yeah yeah
1: yeah cool well back to our comments <laughs> here's another one Bon Jovi should get a Nobel Prize for this song I'm not saying that they're wrong I just wish that they elaborated on their reasoning because maybe they have some really good points I don't know what the criteria
0: are for a Nobel Prize. Uh, maybe outstanding use of Utah
1: scenery? <laughs> I
0: don't, is, is that a Nobel Prize category? I don't
1: think so, but we can campaign to make it one. Maybe
0: like contribution to the natural parks or something like that?
1: <laughs> they set a fire in the, oh, in yeah, the video, so ready. I don't think so. Here's another one. This song takes me back to when I was 65 years old. Thank you Jonas Brothers for making my childhood.
0: Uh what? I, I love
1: this comment and I chose it because it makes no sense. I I don't have questions. I just I just love it.
0: Oh, okay, it doesn't make sense. It's <laughs> not just me being like I'm stupid, I don't get it.
1: No, it makes zero sense. Last one. This was my childhood. I dreamed of being an outlaw like Billy. <laughs> I grew up and was an outlaw. <laughs> oh shit. Until I went to prison. Now I'm just a family man. LOL. <laughs> I'm glad he turned it around at the end there. Happy ending to that story.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, what's the word? Uh, reform, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's a reformed outlaw.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he listens to this song Me like, I went out on the blaze of glory. Yeah. Some shit like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's all I got for you, Paolo.
0: Well, I guess that's a wrap for today's episode. It was so much fun having Rob join us that discussion. That this song that he picked was so much fun. So, as always, thank you for your amazing work and research on the episode. And everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. And just want to remind you, you can keep chatting with us through our socials: Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the song will go on. Also, a lot of stuff didn't make into the episode. We'll be posting stuff there. You know, we keep the discussion going. Some stuff just doesn't make it that's where we put it
1: and please check out rob Harvilla's podcast 60 songs that explain the 90s we're huge fans and you can catch him at harvilla on twitter
0: well that's it for this episode i guess we're going out in a blaze of glory right so
1: absolutely we'll see you guys in the next episode bye
0: the song will go on is written researched and produced by Sofia matano and paolo grasini theme music is composed by william russell Consulting producers are J.P. Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Safi Matano and Paolo Grassini. The song will go on. It's a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube.